0: Chapter 25 of Lotus Buds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nadu. Lotus Buds by Amy Wilson Carmichael. Chapter 25 The Glory of the Usual. And all things were done in such excellent methods, and I cannot tell how, but things in the doing of them seemed to cast a smile. It's a beautiful sentence from Bunyan's Holy War, which has been with us ever since we began the nursery work. Lately we found its complement in a modern book of sermons, The Unlighted Luster, by G. H. Morrison. No matter how stirring your life be, it will be a failure if you have never been wakened to the glory of the usual. There is no happiness like the old and common happiness, sunshine and love and duty and the laughter of children. There are no duties that so enrich as dull duties. The ancient voice and the new voice sing to the same sweet tune, and we, in our little measure, are learning to sing it too. As we have said, India is a land where the secular does not appeal. When we were an itinerating band, we had many offers from Christian girls and women to join us, as many in one month as we now have in five years. Sometimes it has seemed to us that we were set to learn and to teach a new and difficult lesson, the sacredness of the commonplace. Day by day we learn to rub out a little more of the clear chalk line that someone has rolled on life's blackboard. The secular and the spiritual may not be divided now. The enlightening of a dark soul or the lighting of a kitchen fire, it matters not which it is. If only we are obedient to the heavenly vision and work with a pure intention to the glory of our God. The nursery kitchen is a pleasant little place. We hardly ever enter it without remembering and appreciating John Bunyan's pretty thought, for there things and the doing of them seem to cast a smile. Ponnamal, who, as we said, superintends the more delicate food making work, has trained two of her helpers to carefulness. And these two, one a motherly older woman, the most comfortable face, and the other, the convert, Joy, look up with such a welcome that you feel it good to be there. Scrubbing away at endless pots and pans and milk vessels is a younger convent girl, who, when she first came to us, disapproved of such exertion. She liked to sit on the floor with her Bible on her lap and a faraway look of content on her face until the dinner bell rang, now she scrubs with a sense of responsibility. All the younger converts have regular teaching, for they have much to learn, and all, older and younger, have daily classes and meetings. Above all, it is planned that each has her quiet time undisturbed. But it is early understood that to be happy each must contribute her share to the happiness of the family. And one of the first lessons the young convert has to learn is to honor the gray angel, drudgery, and not to call her bad names. The kitchen has an outlook dear to the Tamil heart. A trellis covered with pink Antigone surrounds it, but a window is cut in the trellis so that the kitchen may command the bungalow. While I stirred the milk, I saw everything you did on your veranda, remarked one of the workers lately, in tones of appreciation. The opposite outlook is the mountain shown in the photograph. Only instead of water, we have a kitchen garden with its tropical-looking plantains and creeping marrows. And the warm melon, lay like a little sun on the tawny sand, is a line for an eastern garden, and the great marrows ripen suddenly. The kitchen thus favored without, is adorned within, according to the taste of its owners, with those very interesting pictures published by the makers of Infant Food. How do you choose them? we asked one day. The truest and the prettiest was the, was the satisfactory answer. Ardenaver text, which hangs in every nursery looks down upon the workers, and, as they put it, keeps them sweet in heart. Love never faileth. When first we began to cultivate babies, we were very ignorant, and we asked advice of all who seemed competent to give it. The advice was most perplexing. Each mother was sure the food that had suited her baby was the best of all foods and regarded all others as doubtful, if not bad. One whom we greatly respected told us Indian babies would be sure to get on anyhow, as it was their own land. And one seriously suggested rice water as a suitable nourishment. Naturally, we began with the time-honoured milk and barley water and some throve upon it. But we found each baby had to be studied separately. There was no universal artificial food. We could write a tracklet on foods, and if we did, we would call it Don't. For the first sentence in it would be Don't change the food if you can help it. This tracklet would certainly close with a word of thanks to those kind people, the milk food manufacturers, who have helped us to build up healthy children. For feelings of personal gratitude come when help of this kind is given. The nursery kitchen is a room full of reminders of help. I have commanded the ravens, is a word of strength to us. Once we were very low, a little child had died under trying circumstances. One of the milk sellers, instead of using the vessel sent him, poured his milk into an unclean copper vessel, and it was poisoned. He remembered that it would not be taken unless brought in the proper vessel so at the last moment he corrected his mistake but the correction was fatal for there was no warning the milk was sterilized as usual and given to the child. She was healthy and her nurse remembers how she smiled and welcomed her bottle taking it in her little hands in her happy eagerness a few hours later, she was dead. At such times, the heart seems foolishly weak, and things which would not trouble it otherwise have power to make it sore. We were four days journey from the nursery at the time and had the added anxiety about the other babies to whom we feared the poisoned milk might have been given. And we dreaded what the next post might bring. Just at the moment it was suggested, with kindest intentions, that perhaps we were on the wrong track. The work seemed so difficult and wasteful. It was mail day. The mail, as usual, brought a pile of letters and the top envelope contained a bill for foods ordered from England some weeks before. It came to more than I had expected in spite of the kindness of several firms in giving a liberal discount. And for a moment, the rice water talk, to give it a name which covers all that type of talk, came back to me with hurt in it. To what purpose is this waste? But with it came another word. Take this child away, away from the terrible temple, and nurse it for me. And with the pile of letters before me, and the bill for food in my hand. I asked that enough might be found in those letters to pay it. It did not occur to me at that moment that the prayer was rather illogical. I only knew it would be comforting and like a little word of peace, if such an assurance might even then come that we were not off the lines. Letter after letter was empty, not empty of kindness but quite empty of checks. The last envelope looked thin and not at all hopeful. Checks are usually inside reliable-looking covers. I opened it. There was nothing but a piece of unknown writing, but the writing was to ask if we happened to have a need, which a sum named in the letter would meet. This sum exactly covered the bill for foods. When the check eventually reached me, it was for more than the letter had mentioned, and covered all carriage and duty expenses, which were unknown to me at the time the first letter came, and to which of course I had not referred in my reply. Thus, almost visibly and audibly, has the Lord, from whose hands we received this charge to keep, confirmed his word to us, strengthening when we were weak, and comforting us, when we were sad with the innermost sense of his tenderness, which braces while it soothes. Surely we who know him thus should love the Lord, because he hath heard our voice and our supplication. Every advertisement on the walls of the little nursery kitchen is like an illuminated text, with a story hidden away in it. When thou dost favor any action, it runs, it flies. All things concur to give it a perfection. The nursery kitchen, we were amused to discover, has a sphere of influence all its own. Our discovery was on this wise. One wet evening, we were caught in a downpour as we were crossing from the Tahara nursery to the bungalow, and we took shelter in the kindergarten room which reverts to the Lola and Leela tribe when the kindergarten babies depart. The tribe did not often possess their city and their mall both together and all to themselves, now that the juniors are so numerous, and they welcomed us with acclamations. "'Finish spreading your mats, we said to them, and they seemed inclined to let our advent interrupt the order of the evening.' and we watched them unroll their mats, which hung round the wall in neat rolls, swung by cords from the roof and spread them in rows along the wall. Beside each mat was what looked like a mummy, and beside each mummy was a matchbox and a small bundle of rags. Presently, the mummies were unswathed and proved to be dolls in more or less good condition. Each was carefully laid upon a morsel of sheet and covered with another sheet, folded over in the neatest fashion. If we teach them to be particular when they are young, they will be tidy when they are old, we were informed. It was pleasant to hear our own remarks so accurately repeated. The matchbox were next unpacked. Each contained a bit of match a small pointed shell, a pebble, preferably black, and a couple of minute cockles. I suppose you don't know what all these are, said Lola affably. That, pointing to the match, is a spoon. And this, taking the pointed shell up carefully, is a bottle. This is the rubber, of course, and the black pebble was indicated and these, setting the cockle shells on a piece of white paper on the floor, are bowls of water, one for the bottle and the other for the rubber. We suggested one bowl of water would hold both bottle and rubber, but Lola's entirely mischievous eyes looked quite shocked and reproving. Two bowls are better, was the serious reply. It is very important to be clean. What does your child have, we inquired respectfully. Barley water and milk. Two and a half, two and a half ounces every two hours. That's five tablespoonfuls, you know. And Leela's? Oh, Leela's child is delicate. She has to have benger, Two ounces every two hours. And it has to be a long time digested. Do all your children have their food every two hours? Lola looked surprised, and Leela giggled. How very ignorant we seem to be. No, only the tiny ones. Our babies are very young. After they get older, they have more at a time, and not so often. That child there, pointing to another mat, has condensed, as we haven't enough cow's milk for them all. It suits her very well. She has six ounces at a time, once before she goes to sleep, and then none till she wakens in the morning. She's a very healthy child. How do you know the time, we asked, prepared for anything now? Oh, we have watches. This is mine, and a toy from a Christmas cracker was produced. Leela's watch is different. It was indeed different, a mere figment of the imagination but she can look at mine when she wants to. Why does your child sleep with Leela's? All the other infants had separate sleeping arrangements. Lola looked shy and Leela looked shyer. These little matters of affection were not intended for public discussion. By this time, the rain had cleared, so we prepared to depart and the further entertainments provided for us by the cheerful tribe that evening, did not belong to this story. We escaped finally, damp with much laughter in a humid atmosphere. Come every evening, shouted the tribe, as at last we disappeared, and we felt much inclined to accept the invitation. The kitchen is a busy place in the morning, and again in the evening, when the fresh milk is carried to it, and shining aluminum vessels to be sterilized or otherwise dealt with. But even in the busiest hours, there is almost sure to be a baby set in an upturned stool in which she sits, holding onto the front legs in proud consciousness of being able to sit up. Or an older one will be clinging to the garments of a busy worker or perched beside them on a stool, once we found Tara and Ivu seated on the window-sill. Panamal was making foods at the table under the window, and the little bare feet were tucked in between bowls and jugs of milk but indeed, they are quite clean, explained Panamal without waiting for a remark from us, for she knew what she was thinking of her table decorations. We dusted the sand off their little feet before we lifted them up. The babies said nothing, but looked doubtfully up at us, as if not very sure of our intentions. But Panamal's eyes were so appealing, and the little buff things in blue with a trellis of pink flowers for background made such a pretty picture that we had not the heart to spoil it. Then the little faces smiled gratefully upon us, and everybody smiled. The kitchen is a happy place of innocent surprises. End of chapter 25